Hey everybody, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, a podcast about Kevin Smith. I'm Ted. I'm Rose. I'm Trevor. Uh, and this week we have returning guest of Struggle Session, Leslie Lee. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me back again. Thank you for coming back. Uh, yeah, we are sorry. For <laughs> yeah, sorry. This. Yeah. So, sorry again, and yeah. thanks for, for coming back. <laughs> I mean, because this, uh, we're going to get into it, but I, ju- I made the mistake of jumping ahead to the Kevin Smith part, and I was like, upset i was like <laughs> i don't know maybe i should just tell him i'm not gonna do this but then i actually went back and watched <laughs> some of the other clips i wa- watched two bad clips then the kevin smith one i was like this is hell and then i went back and some of the other ones were better so yeah i, I enjoyed some of them so this week we watched uh holidays i think it's called uh an anthology horror film uh this is our very spooky special Halloween episode. That's why we had to get horror expert uh, Leslie Lee the Third on. <laughs> and um, I found this one not interesting as a film, but interesting as a piece of Kevin, uh, you know, scholarly uh, work uh, because you get to see a direct comparison of Kevin Smith and other. Uh, less known filmmakers working with like the same kind of constraints and the same genre and everything. And Kevin has, in my opinion, by far the worst entry. Yeah. Like the most miserable one to watch. And as far as the content of Kevin's segment in this film, uh, there isn't really a lot of new ground for us to cover. You're going to hear a lot of, it's a lot of the same weird shit that you've heard us complain about a million times before. (laughs) Yeah. Kevin is definitely playing the hits on this one. Uh, All of his weirdness definitely comes out in this. All of his pathologies. He has the epic mealtime guy in it too. I hate seeing him. Yeah. Who has, I just realized same first name as his daughter. Harley, oh, uh, Harley Morenstein is the guy's name. Oh, I th- wow. think he's fun, Canadian. Some fun trivia for nice, everyone. Man. So, so Leslie, what did you think of, were, were there any of the segments of this that you would say were like pretty good horror shorts or yeah. maybe okay? Yeah, the Father's Day by uh, this guy named Anthony Scott Burns, that was actually high high quality horror short yeah. film very much you know in the vein of someone like a thomas Ligotti, you know one of these you know creeping nightmares that's just waiting for you it takes place in the modern world modern city but it's just like very weird and creepy and it doesn't technically really explain what's happening but you feel it on this really deep visceral emotional existential level like it it was really fantastic i do think they kind of dropped the ball on the one second scare that is in it with Mm -hmm. the monster they could have done something a little bit more interesting uh with it but i would highly recommend this i'm not even gonna i don't even want to like do spoilers for it people should actually go and watch this segment the father's day segment it is really really fantastic and it's actually a shame that smack dab in the middle (laughs) of a lot of other of stuff that's pretty mediocre some of it most of it's pretty mediocre and then Mm -hmm. just a couple of things that are actively 
bad um, because this yeah. they have this horrible concept of going doing horror films based on the holidays and so the order <laughs> that the film is goes in is the holiday and it doesn't matter that the you know the first two shorts aren't any good at all um and you still have to get through them to get to some of the good stuff so um just a bad concept bad order you don't want this many shorts in a horror anthology in general i don't think uh, a lot of this stuff felt like it was made like just for the concept they didn't actually have an actual story to tell and that happened to have something to do with the holiday you see it's like like a contest entries mm -hmm. sort of oh, thing yeah. And that just it just doesn't produce the best stuff aside from Father's Day, which is very oh, and Mother's Day. Mother's Day was actually very uh, excellent as well. I don't want I think it I, I, I didn't talk about it more because I think it kind of peters out a little bit at the end. It, it starts off very interesting and kind of lulls and then it, it picks back up by the end. But both those Mother's Day and Father's Day, like if they were just released as like a two parter, like people would still be talking about those movies today because this was doing you know they were both doing you know the folk horror stuff what was it 2016 yeah. before heredity blue i mean uh, uh well hereditary tube and also um his follow-up uh midsummer. midsummer midsummer yeah like if the if those two shorts had been just put together mother's day and father's day i think mm -hmm. like people would be like talk would constantly be talking about it this wouldn't be the first time i hear of it but since they're smack dab in the middle of all this other stuff like people just don't never i have never <laughs> heard of this movie until you mention it to me and i like horror anthologies and i had never heard same. of this one ted you hear that leslie liked the same two that i liked <laughs> and he's the horror i like those two so. this my favorite two were the saint patrick's no, day no no you that's Easter not what one. you said to me <laughs> Uh, I think the the holiday concept specifically is like it's it's kind of an interesting curveball because um, the two that you point out that you really like are the two that I didn't really expect to be featured in. Yeah, me too. This I didn't think they were going to do a Father's Day and a Mother's Day. I thought it was going to be like I didn't think they were going to do like was it eight short films? Like that was quite a bit, and those two feel kind of detached from any idea of a holiday. <laughs> yeah, it's not because it's not really holidays. It's just yeah. about your, your parents stuff, and yeah. that's fairly easy to turn into a horror thing. Like mm -hmm. that's that's kind of the yeah. the point. That might be why those both work better because they're not starting off with how can I fit the Easter bunny into this or how can I fit a heart <laughs> yeah. in a box of chocolates <laughs> into this. They're starting from the just the basic like okay i have a character who has a fucked up relationship with their mother or a fucked up relationship with motherhood or fatherhood you know and it's yeah. just like a much better basis aside from halloween which they for a gave Whoa. to kevin fucking smith the easiest oh. one to make a horror and his has nothing to do with halloween couldn't even tell it was halloween they barely mention Halloween in it. And that's the ultimate cons that's the ultimate holiday to get for this. They gave him the prime <laughs> real estate. They're like Kevin. Oh, he you I'm get sure to the he Halloween. demanded it. I mean he probably the <laughs> Oh, you gotta give me Halloween, dude. Oh, you gotta give me Halloween. Mm -hmm. He was the biggest swinging dick in the room. He was the big star there. He got first credit on the like the directing list. 
when it when the credits came up the first one was like directed by kevin smith oh, and then it was like directed by the other ones so there's like one part where they do like them in alphabetical order and sarah adina smith comes right after kevin smith i'm like is that his oh. wife did they write it to together and like that's the worst thing that's ever happened to that poor woman because she ri- <laughs> she's the one who did mother's day and like she just like I, I'm, I'm i like i i'm sorry like just her excellent short next to like his awful poorly thought out one like it's just it really just upsets me <laughs> like how much work uh like all of them except for him like not it's not like the other ones that were bad didn't try in fact some of them tried too much i think yeah. the saint patrick's day one like that's just a Ugh, movie they, i mean it is a is like a full like it tries to be like a full movie in like 10 minutes and unfortunately the movie is rosemary's baby which has already been made and remade and made over and over again so much so <laughs> that the movie actually mentions that okay have you ever seen the hollywood movie rosemary's baby yeah if you replace Baby with a reptile? That's what you have. It's like Rosemary's reptile. <laughs> That's why I liked it so much, because that made me that I that got me pretty good. Yeah, Rosemary's baby with, with a snake. Well, that's what the movie is. That's what the short is. The other thing about the Mother's Day and Father's Day ones is that they're the only two that are uh really trying to work as horror movies and not just play it for laughs or are just based on like a sort of joke about the holiday. And yeah, and yeah. And those two directors are both a very see, definitely seem like they're very talented. Um, I, with both of them, it seems like, like there should have been like, these were all kind of too short, right? Like it could have been an anthology with like four, segments where they were all yeah. a little bit longer Definitely. uh but they're all too short to really get invested in although with kevin's that's a blessing i think <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i disagree a little bit i actually think father's day is probably the perfect length yeah. and mother's day could actually be a, maybe be a, a, a little bit shorter mm. and work but all the other ones like they're trying like the valentine's day is like trying to carry in like 10 minutes and and you just don't care um yeah. st patrick's day is trying to do rosemary's ba- baby in 10 minutes easter i don't know i really didn't know what they were doing other than they had like a really they had really good costume yeah like they used to, it was creepy but like i feel like i i want to diss it because it was creative and it tried to do something kind of interesting but i feel like that person was just like he was convinced that he had to make it explicitly about like easter the easter bunny and jesus and he had to fit it all in i feel like they were just kind of like trying to stay within the parameters when clearly if they wanted to they could have gone in you know a more a, a less literal direction and done something a little bit um more interesting there's yeah. a lot of Catholic anxiety running through like the first half of the <laughs> yeah. movie. I think the Easter one is like either a guy that like hadn't no real experience with Easter or like was always in church on Easter hearing the creepy story when he was a kid. Yeah, it's, like it's one, one or, or the, the other. The, <laughs> the central fear of it, which could have paid off in an interesting way, is that you know the resurrection of Jesus sounds to this kid like a horror story. It's 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 Jesus coming back from the dead like a zombie. And that's scary. (laughs) But then also 
uh, that's conflated in his mind with the, or in her mind, I mean, with the Easter bunny. So, so it's like, wait, is the Easter bunny and Jesus is Easter bunny coming back from the dead? <laughs> like there's just this weird fear and confusion, in the kid. And sure enough, like an egg hatches and it's a Jesus bunny yeah. zombie. Yeah. It's got the <laughs> stigmata and, just, and, and like little chicks come out of the stigmata in his hands. The costume rocks. The most literal and kind of uninteresting payoff for that uh, sort of anxiety that they set up in the beginning, I think. Uh, Trev, you were saying earlier uh, that a bit of the problem with like some of these is that like that when they're kind of set up almost as jokes or gags or something like that. And my, my, I think my biggest problem watching this anthology was it it might even just be like a way that horror has changed over the decades i don't know because i've been watching a lot of like 70s and 80s slasher flicks lately and to me when i hear an anthology film that's going to be based around the holidays i'm expecting something more you know more uh earnestly trashy more like uh like fully buying into its own campiness uh maybe something along the lines of creep show even but more brutal i expect you know like a killer santa claus or like uh you know maybe a big wild monster movie but i expect it to be approached with like a level of of uh fun because you're making a horror film about the holidays like it's inherently silly and i found with these films even though they have these kind of jokey premises, they still retain that kind of sterile, slow horror approach that I recognize from like, that's what like Netflix does all the time right now. Yeah. And yeah. there's something about that style that just, you know, if, if, if you're using that style, then I need there to be like an intellectual underpinning to it for me to think about, it, or like a really strong tone or something that these filmmakers aren't pulling off. And I, I would much rather if they just like gave up the pretensions and just gave me like, uh, gave me a, a Santa Claus uh, butchering people on uh, Christmas night, you know? Yeah, so Rose, did you think, because it sounds like the one that probably closest to like a traditional kind of 80s slasher was the New Year's Eve one, which I thought was... I don't I, know if I got I, to that. I, I stopped after the Kevin Smith one. Oh, after the Kevin Smith, the Kevin Smith one. Because <laughs> after that one, I was like, I cannot handle any more of this shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I kind of like the New Year's Eve one. It has two good actors in it, which a lot of them, which, you know, the Kevin yeah. Smith one does not have. Um, and it has it has a, like a decent amount of like gore and slasherness. And there's kind of nice. an obvious but kind of fun uh, twists to it. I actually think that one could have been a little bit uh, shorter. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the first kill should have been like a way shorter, way 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 uh, shorter. Um, but yeah, I thought that one was and was kind of okay and closer to like I'm. We're just gonna ha- like have someone in a mask stab people on a holiday, <laughs> like which is what more of these shorts could have been. Yeah, yeah. And I I want to I want to mention that a good comparison. Uh, would be because I just remembered I, I watched these recently. The that there was the creep show, um, like Shutter series or something, or like Amazon series. And it's on Shutter. Shutter, yeah. As I got that Shutter subscription for October, really good deal. Uh, but yeah, I watched through that, and like a lot of the the shorts in that aren't stellar. They aren't up to like the originals standards, but they're all done 
with a lot of fun, a lot of earnestness, and a lot of commitment to like the style and the practical effects and all that. And uh, and this one, even when that uh, Easter Bunny thing popped up, uh, it's creepy, but like I I don't know. It it didn't feel like it went anywhere. It didn't feel like that original either. It just kind of looked like the Pan's Labyrinth fawn design, but like stripped down to just like a nude, uh, like nude <laughs> mole rat form. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lack of fun in this movie, and I expect yeah. it to just be a lot, you know. A, a lot more uh, carefree. So you're you're talking about the the two approaches, which are the the kind of grim modern horror look, or the kind of more throwback, fun, trashy kind of horror. True. Yeah. Uh, Ke- Kevin, for his part, uh, eschews both of them by just being <laughs> a late la- lazy piece of shit and Holy not shit. even trying to establish any kind of mood or style. Oh, God. Wow. This thing looks so lazy. It looks like it's shot on like a consumer cam. It's so brightly lit. It looks like it's just lit by like bright, like fluorescent lights, like not even movie lights. It looks so shitty and amateurish. It's like not even like a student film, how how little he yeah. tried. At least when he did Red State or Tusk, he <laughs> tried. He had He worked with a pretty decent cinematographer and he did try to give give it a, a, a spooky mood even though it didn't totally work in either case this just seemed like he tossed it off in one day and put yeah. no thought into it at all yeah i would be shocked that if it took you know from like writing the first word on the page to finish it if it took more than three days total Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One compliment I want to give to everybody except for Kevin Smith is that <laughs> I, I will say, and part of the reason why I like short films and like anthologies is is this reason is that I did feel that most of the filmmakers were at least really trying and really earnestly attempting whatever their concept was and having fun with it and putting their best out there. Kevin's segment. Yeah, you can tell there's zero effort put into it to the point where it feels like almost insulting to the other filmmakers. That yeah, he clearly filmed yeah. it in like a day tops. It looks like a YouTube video. For the rest of them, being in this horror anthology was probably a big opportunity that they were yeah. grateful for and wanted to make the best a big of name. it. Yeah, and for for Kevin, it's just like a fucking jerk off. It's like <laughs> he doesn't even try to take it seriously. It really sucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want do we want to get a bit into what Kevin decided <laughs> to put on screen? Yeah. I guess we better right. describe it. All right, so it's so <laughs> bad. But first thing, first thing to understand, and and I didn't understand this going in, uh, and it kind of makes me a, a soften on it a little bit. The premise of this movie only made sense between the years 2013, maybe 2014 and 2017. That's the only time period where this premise can make sense because like a webcam, a, a webcam house where the like for girls who don't know how to set up their own OnlyFans, <laughs> like that's basically kind of like it and it's like there's like maybe those places existed at some point at some time but like i was thoroughly confused i thought this movie came out like last year so i was like wait a minute why are these girls staying with this abusive pimp to do webcams instead Mm -hmm. of just like 
big in there and letting him keep all the money like it did yeah. and these were all like girls that he was and it didn't make sense for, from his part either because he was flying in women from like the midwest <laughs> to do it and like committing you know felony after felony instead of like i like you could there's so many other things you could do like now you have more options all, both of them had different options i mean obviously he's he's supposed to be a garbage you know a piece of shit person but it's like it just did the premise just didn't make sense yeah there was a workaholics episode about this same thing i think back in 2013 or some sleazy guy was running like a but also the modern version of this you don't uh trap a bunch of girls like slaves in your house and have them webcam for you what you do now is you make an app or a website like only fans and you just steal half of their money yeah <laughs> that's how they do that's it that's how you do it yeah i i don't know uh i don't know too much about the the history of sex work or whatever but i'm pretty sure like uh, before this film came out there was some documentary that got really popular that uh featured like some girls doing like uh webcam stuff yeah. like that uh, I can't remember what it was called right now. Yeah, Hawk, yeah, I think it was Hot Girls Wanted. That might have been it. So I feel like it was in the zeitgeist at that time. But yeah, it's some. It feels very weirdly specific. Um, Leslie, I don't know if you knew this that that one of those girls is uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, she's the one with of course, his the most own lines. daughter as the abused cam girl in this yeah, gets... weird, gross little sex. But she's movie. like the, the one that's strong her... one, you know. She's the strong one. Though, so she's too. not, you know, it's not. Yeah, as bad. It's not she's as not. She's either. not the one who's the most abused. She, but she she's the more uh, proactive one. I don't mean to be mean to anybody on the cast, but I'm saying this in all seriousness. I thought that two of the girls were the same actress. I thought two of them were Harley Quinn Smith and that Kevin was doing some kind of clone effect. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down, slow down. You keep saying Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, yeah, that that's her, her name. name. Did he name his daughter? Oh, I thought you knew this. Harley Quinn. Yeah, Harley he, Quinn yes, Smith. He did. He named his daughter after the sexy Batman villain, yeah. and he has cast her in multiple weirdly sexually charged roles in his own yeah. movies. Kind of the only roles he's cast her in. Pretty much. They all have a weird sexual energy, for sure. This one, the most, the most explicitly. Also her worst he, performance so far. Yeah. So he's really going down the Dario Argento path without ever actually making any good stuff in the first <laughs> place. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Les Leslie, you'd probably like to know this too. Um, so yeah, he named his daughter Harley Quinn Smith. Uh, but Kevin has like uh, a bit of a grievance with Tim Burton, a bit of a feud with him. Because uh, uh, for a long history, I won't get into. But when Kevin Smith was asked about the Tim Burton Batman movie, he was like, well, you know, it was okay, I guess. Liar. He's lying. Like, he, he completely is like trying to shrug off the fact that he is obviously a huge fucking Batman fan and definitely a huge fan of the Tim Burton one just because he can't he can't admit it to Tim that he definitely absolutely loves this film. It's because when Tim Burton was supposed to make a Superman movie, uh, Kevin Smith was developing oh, yeah. the script and Tim Burton did not want to work with Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> right off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of one of the best stories of uh, of uh, Kevin Lore, um, yeah. So in this so in this short horror film, uh, we have yeah Harley Quinn Smith and I presume two of her friends that were cast by Kevin um, in some kind of cheap 
house with uh, the guy from Epic Mealtime who's playing a pimp, I guess. Yeah, sort of and like calls him we- a webcam pimp who's a absurdly pimp. abusive. He's yeah. so much more over the top verbally abusive than it would even like. It's not good for business to act like that, you know. You got to chill out a little bit. And it's not even a. It's not even like a, a funny, over the top, like vulgar performance. It just comes off very weird. Like you don't really know how to feel about it. So uh, mean spirited, but not like creepy or scary either. No, like not, no. Yeah, just this, this movie is so brightly lit. It's lit like a fucking. Por- it's lit yeah. like a porno movie. Folks, if you've seen Midsommar, like Midsommar looks like, you know, it looks like Nightcrawler compared to how brightly lit this short film is. But this is all like indoor bright lighting. It's like, looks <laughs> it's too shiny. It looks like off-campus apartments. That's what it looks like. It look, That's what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, this really looks like a YouTube video. It's, it doesn't look like a, it doesn't look like a short film that even a, a filmmaker not of Kevin's stature, just like a random person being hired for a film like this, it doesn't look up to the professional standards. And Kevin Smith is like, you know, top fucking billing on this. Yeah. Like he is the star and he, he doesn't even try uh, to make a real film. And the thing about uh, the premise here and the reason that uh, it was probably important to Kevin to make it about abused cam girls is because this is Kevin really trying to be feminist. Oh, yeah. And, to- very much and so. totally tripping over his own dick because, like, he is so out of step and behind with everything, even in 2016. Like, okay. you, you could, like, there's the, the way. I mean, I th- you know what? I'll bet this whole thing was inspired by that guy that made a rude comment to Harley Quinn online that he yes. had a oh, post about. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because that, that says a lot. All right, so let's get into like the what sets this whole thing off. Is that a you know a online sex worker? She's doing a chat and she gets utterly <laughs> destroyed because one of the customers calls her a whore. One time, she's just like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. That's just being a woman online in general. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was about and to say, like, girls get paid for that. Yeah. Like, what, is, like, what does yeah. Kevin think those paying customers are like? I, it, it's just like, did he like I him that being his daughter? I was about to say, like, did she not tell him that th- that's not like an inciting incident for a woman? But then maybe she's Kevin Smith's daughter and she's rich and has grown up very sheltered. And that would be the inciting incident for like her little uh, story or whatever. But yeah. like, it just doesn't make sense for what is supposed to be like a abused trafficking victim oh. kind of like like it's kind of hard to talk about it because it's got bigger problems than a mean comment on <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm not even sure like like because he does so i mean he doesn't have a lot of time but he doesn't really like explain like what like why are these girls here are they are they like exploited they're not exploited runaways i was about to say like he recruits like girls from like 
oh, like towns with like families and stuff. She's he's talking to the first girl. It's like, oh, you have a boyfriend and parents who love you. Just tell them to fuck off and come visit <laughs> me. And like, that's not what happens. Like he would be picking up like girls on the street and trying mm-hmm. to bring them in. It's like or like like they could have done anything. Like even if he was talking up the girl who was like maybe the cashier at the Halloween store, which is the only Halloween reference. If he was yeah. telling her, it's like, oh, you want to make some real money? Come here. Like instead he. He's yeah. on the phone with a uh, with a girl that's not shown from like Ohio or something and trying to bring her in. It just doesn't make sense. There is one other Halloween reference, actually. Um, this is sort well, of it takes place on Halloween. Well, besides that. Halloween is happening. This is this is sort of uh, jumping ahead. But eventually the girls get back at him and tie him up in a room and like make him cut himself a pussy as they keep saying <laughs> and uh the line his name is ian and the line they say is make it hollow ian like halloween oh and i, I didn't Jesus even get I, I, it took me like a couple seconds and then it was like nails on a chalkboard times a million the worst line i've ever heard he wrote that in his notes app and then he came oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he came and then he was like i got it i don't even need to write the script we'll just show up and do it that, like that <laughs> kevin has never written a gag and cut it later he doesn't he never <laughs> writes any joke or anything that he doesn't decide to go through with and the the inciting incident of the mean online comment isn't even necessary at all because the actual conflict the actual yes. villain is the guy who's abusing them in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's mixing yeah. up two he's conflating two different things, which is people being mean to women online and the actual human trafficking thing. Yeah. And like Violet. so when you when you see that 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 mean comment thing, it looks like it's setting up for a different kind of revenge fantasy, yeah. which is girls finding the guy who's being toxic online and getting revenge on him. Yeah. But instead, that's pretty much immediately swept aside because they're actually getting revenge on their pimp, which makes more sense. So you don't even need the mean comment part, except for the fact that it's called back by the fact that they are sending him <laughs> abusive comments online while they're torturing him but that doesn't really follow because he's not the one who is being mean to them online that payoff would have worked better if the guy they were getting revenge on was the online harasser guy so none of it really fits together folks i gotta tell you uh for the folks at home that uh like i know we say this a lot that you know that this is one of the worst things we've ever seen this is one of the worst things that we've seen and um the script for it like uh, it's hard to I can't find new words to describe how bad Kevin's writing is because it's always oh, been yeah. really bad and it gets continuously worse. But this script, the only word I can find for it is unacceptable. If yes. you turned if I was working at a film school and someone turned this into me, I would say this doesn't count. You didn't complete your work. This is unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I'd feel so insulted if I were any of the other filmmakers that worked on this. This is a one draft script. Yeah, this absolutely. is yeah, an insult. Like if I was one of the filmmakers, I would be begging them to just cut it. Like find somebody <laughs> else, anybody else would love to do it. It'd make the whole thing so much better. Mm. Yeah. So the horror of uh this short film um is just such a I will say on the bright side, it does like tie so many weird kevin pathologies up in like a nice little package and a neat little bow it's kind of perfect because it is you know uh, a, a vision straight from the man's sick brain so epic mealtime guy gets like knocked out or something and he wakes up in a bed and 
he finds out that his asshole has been like s- s- glued super glued shut, yeah. shut with a vibrator up his butthole and the vibrator is attached to a car battery and these girls are gonna i guess torture him with the vibrator uh, already fucked up already weird you're already also seeing the uh, epic mealtime guy naked in like stark light which is like or he's wearing some diaper thing but you get to see like epic mealtime guy in stark light yeah yeah so it's all that <laughs> and then the big thing is that they tell him to uh cut uh, a pussy uh they throw in a knife and and get him to like cut up himself which i'll say as someone who's trying to get that myself right now not that easy unfortunately <laughs> yeah. um but but i just want to say that this is so perfect because it ties together um kevin's weirdness around genitals and like trans people uh kevin's weirdness about like butt stuff and uh his his weirdness about women <laughs> there's uh, a lot of kevin weirdness <laughs> packed into this one uh moment so what did you guys all think so so i'm to believe that these three women who five minutes ago were <laughs> afraid to go get food, they were afraid <laughs> to go shopping, were then immediately, almost immediately, ready to torture someone to death and record video of it. <laughs> and I'm also supposed to believe that they would be able and would know the uh, at the time i thought this was taking place in 2019 so i was like so these women don't know how to set up only fans but they do know how to <laughs> hook up a vibrator to a car battery in such a way that it would kill someone that <laughs> and and then I, I mean and even further than that they gave him a knife you got a knife cut the cord <laughs> yeah, it's cord escape. just cut the cord and escape knock over the cam knock over the cam they can't see him then it really shows how shitty a filmmaker kevin is when he can't pull off a either what is like basically a basic saw trap like the dumbest version of a saw trap you've ever seen can't pull that off and also can't pull off um the revenge exploitation film, which is like a very simple film genre that's been done over and over successfully. He can't even pull off this like really basic stuff. And uh, my only reason why I say is number one, you know, not very good at filmmaking, but also absolutely not trying, not thinking through these ideas more than once. He manages to fuck it up so in so many ways in just 10 minutes. Yeah. I would be almost impressed, but I know this man now, and I know he's just lazy and didn't think about <laughs> anything. It really feels like he forgot that he was supposed to make a movie that day. Like, it feels made up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no, the, the desperate, like... Did the idea of just packing their bags and leaving while the guy was wasn't home ever <laughs> enter their heads? Like, like I know it's not always it's not always that simple to leave an abusive situation, but if they're gonna go the full step of torturing the guy <laughs> to death for revenge, like I think you need to establish the stakes a little bit. Like give it give some reason why they can't leave because it seems like they're not that uh, trapped. 
You know, like it doesn't yeah. seem like it's that dire <laughs> that they need to jump all he, the way to rape murder revenge. <laughs> he comes in and he's mad that they're watching TV. Like they can what watch the TV. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't you watch know. TV, sluts. <laughs> like they have that much freedom. Why, but... why do you even have a working TV there for them if they're not allowed to watch it? <laughs> this guy, awful at his job, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what is his game? Like, he's literally just talking to the girls, and he says, so what do I tell my parents? Oh, tell your parents to fuck off. Like, what kind of pimp is that? Like, how? I don't know. I don't know how he, like, was able to get three, like, white, American, healthy, <laughs> well-fed, blonde women under his spell because he doesn't really seem to have any kind of game or appeal whatsoever. He's not even and like I, I like he is not even like most pimps like they start off with the girls like like as their girlfriend like what girl is going anywhere with this fucking guy I, I don't know I don't yeah. know and there's not even an attempt at a costume or anything either like there's no you know it doesn't look like he you know he doesn't have uh uh, he doesn't come out with, like, the alien grills from uh, Spring Breakers <laughs> or anything like that. Like, he just looks like a very normal, schlubby dude who just comes just in. just how he looks in real life. He didn't put on a costume. He's not supposed to be a traditional kind of pimp. He's like how Kevin Smith might imagine like a modern cyber pimp. Modern. So he's, he's cyber so he's sort of modeled after like a toxic online bro who would insult women. Like yeah. that guy's being put in the 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 role of the pimp, even right. though it doesn't doesn't have any charisma. It doesn't make any sense that he could even be a pimp. What does his shirt? What is the significance of his shirt? Why does he walk around with a shirt that says "Pussy Haver"? Is that just to tell us in the first scene oh, that he's a pimp? Thirty seconds it's before we shot a girl. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think through it. Yeah, I didn't even think wow. that because I have thought so little about that scene. I did not. I forced myself. <laughs> I, to I didn't think of it till you just said it. That's so true. Wow, the, it, Kevin pulled one on us. Yeah, I, I guess I gotta give him credit for that. Like he came up. With another <laughs> laugh line, Halloween and Pussy Aver. I thought it said Pussy Haven at first, which would make sense. Maybe he's like advertising his That's site. The name of his website. And it's Pussy yeah. Haven. And I was like, oh, okay. But no, it's certainly Pussy Haver when you see the front of it. It's much more obvious. So um, this isn't uh, the first time that Kevin explored the idea of male anal rape as revenge. But um, I don't even know if second or the could, third. He could maybe be forgiven a little bit in 1996 for not realizing how weird and, and gross that is to have a bad guy punished by, by being anally penetrated. Wait, which movie um, was that? Uh, Mallrats. Oh, right. Oh, my God. I forgot that was the ending. Yeah. It also happens in the cartoon movie... Oh right! Sort of in a different way in the um in the comics that he wrote. Yeah, yeah, the co that was based on something he wrote <laughs> in like 2001 or something, right? Anyway, oh, right. by 2016, you should have figured out that like, don't put a fucking deadly dildo in the guy's ass. Like, come up with something that's less weirdly homophobic than that. You know. <laughs> I think you are right that uh, I, I do think that this short film, if it's inspired by anything, obviously part of it is some weird attempt to, for Kevin to be like 
hip and feminist or something uh, with his daughter. Uh, but also, I think it's definitely coming from mean online comments. Like, that's what this, the guy is totally That's to. been the obsession Indeed, yeah. of his career since the Jay and, first Jay and Silent Bob movie. He's been dealing with mean online comments himself for years. So as soon as his daughter was old enough to start getting her own mean online comments, then it turned into a father's up crusade to protect women from mean people online. <laughs> yeah, I, I found it uh, the most, I mean, I should stop expecting the Kevin to like try when he's making films, but still it was surprising to me that watching this film, the, the most simple thing you can do with a revenge film is set up a motivation for the revenge and like the context for it, like why it feels necessary. And yeah, I really didn't understand why the revenge was happening. I didn't understand the motivations for it. I didn't get why the girls were there. I didn't get like, I didn't get why anybody was doing anything. And then, yeah, as Leslie pointed out, even the trap itself uh, makes zero sense because he could escape extremely easily. So um, overall, uh, unfortunately, going to have to give this one a not not recommended. Two you have to give it down. a zero, zero <laughs> stars for me. Zero stars. Yeah, it's awful. They should, like, instead of taking off, like, old offensive episodes of sitcoms, <laughs> they should re-release this movie without the Kevin uh, Smith segment. Get somebody else to Kevin do Kevin should give back his money. Yeah. Oh, the so the big connection to Halloween is that it takes place on Halloween, and the major conflict, really, the thing that sets everything off, is that they want to go out for Halloween and the evil pimp won't let them. And that's like, that's how it ties in as the Halloween right. theme, bit, which yeah. is so funny that all the other uh, no-name directors had to work with something stupid like Easter <laughs> or St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And Kevin gets the most obvious one, Halloween, and can't think of any way to thematically oh. Or even on the an, even on a surface level way tie it into Halloween, the famously scary holiday. He gets the prime cut. He gets like the primo slot, and he doesn't use it. Um, it does. It does remind me though. If anyone wants to see a, a very good Halloween anthology, uh, Trick or Treat, uh, spelt like that, Trick or Treat, uh, is excellent. And all those. Tales happen on Halloween night, so if you want to see all the possibilities of what Kevin could have done with that premise, uh, go check out that movie. We can just take a, a short from that and re-release it ourselves. Yeah. yeah. That's a great <laughs> idea. The, non, the, the, an, the anti-Smith cut. Yes. <laughs> You could go to Walmart, cut. get any of the like dollar horror anthologies that have like 30 or 40 and any one, any one of those awful, awful short movies will be better than this. I, I feel pretty yeah. comfortable saying. And you'll have a good time also, with your friends. Didn't Grindhouse have a uh, fake Thanksgiving trailer? Oh, I think that, Eli yeah. Roth did it. I meant to bring that up earlier because that's what I thought of when I thought of a horror anthology. I was like, I kind of want to see something like the like the Thanksgiving trailer. You know, I want to see like a real filthy, uh, cheesy slasher movie. I feel like that Thanksgiving trailer was probably the genesis for the whole idea to even do this stupid movie. Yeah, and the Thanksgiving trailer is a lot funnier. That's uh, really good. It is definitely funnier. And it's yeah. funny in the way that's because of the way that it uh, plays with horror tropes, which yeah. isn't really the kind of funny that they do in this movie. 
There's that movie, um, Thanks Killing, which is pretty funny. I haven't seen that one. It's it's shitty, but there's a couple funny lines. The turkey (laughs) kills a bunch of people. I was kind of hoping you'd see a Thanksgiving one in this one, and they just skipped right over it. I also, I really have to underscore the fact that, you know, we, we talked about all the ways, maybe not all the ways, but we talked about the ways that Kevin Smith totally fails to create any kind of compelling horror short piece. And this is all coming from a guy who was at the time and is still uh, trying to inter- uh, reinvent himself as a horror director. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you would think that like if Kevin really wants the prestige of being a horror director, which he obviously does in some ways, because uh, he keeps trying to make these terrible horror movies, you would th- think he'd take the relatively easy assignment of a 10-minute short and really tried to show that he can direct horror, but he do- he fucking doesn't at all. Yeah, this came out between Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Yeah, absolutely awful. No point to it. And just so, so, so incredibly lazy. So mm. lazy. Uh, do you have uh, anything else on uh, on holidays? I got I got some spooky stories uh, to share. <laughs> well, are, are we are we going to talk about some of his upcoming horror efforts, or we I've got oh, right. I, I've I've got some I've got some tales to weave. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, first, oh, uh, no. yeah. So for for this, Kevin. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ted. Did you have something there? I just wanted to say, like, if you want to like watch this. Uh, anthology. It's on Netflix in America. I don't know how Rose watched it, if it's on Canada or not. Yeah, it's in Canada. Oh, okay, <laughs> not sure. But there's been issues with that in the past. Uh, watch Father's Day. <laughs> I, I I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite, but it, everybody else seemed to like it a lot. Um, I liked I liked the Easter one, just because of the cool monster. Other than that, I think, you know. Yeah, if you're like a horror fan and you want something to throw on, you can watch this and just stop it as soon as the Father's Day one is over. Yes. That would be my... Even even if the New Year's one is a little redeemable, I think once that Kevin Halloween segment hits, it really poisons the well. Yeah. And yeah. Like, it makes it... You're not really going to enjoy anything after that. <laughs> so in this season of... Uh ghosts and ghouls and things uh things from the abyss uh yeah i have some some tales here some tales uh from kevin's past we're going to uh to resurrect some long lost kevin projects and the lore associated with them (laughs) particularly his frightening partnership uh with uh the grotesque ghoulish uh, Mad King uh, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so, uh, longtime Kevin Smith heads may know that Kevin has um, a, a truly incredible history of projects that never happened, of projects that never took off. Uh, it seems to be a very consistent thing for him to get to the pitching point of a project or the writing, and then it all falls apart. For some reason, I'm going to say it's probably coincidence. So, um, so Kevin's main passion project for, uh, for years and years, apparently has been to make a sequel to Fletch. If anyone what? remembers F- Fletch, what the fuck? uh, starring, uh, Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. Yes. Uh, apparently that's his big passion project. Why? So, um, <laughs> 
I don't know why. But he says he's been trying to make it for years. And yeah, so he says here that for five years he'd been trying to make Fletch with uh, Jason Lee as Fletch, or you know the uh, the titular Fletch who we know and love. Uh, <laughs> it would be a, a quote unquote insanely faithful to the book Fletch one script. So I guess it's also a book. Nobody which ever I wants didn't realize. that. It was a book series uh, originally, I, I believe. So this is a very revealing tale of what Kevin and Harvey's relationship was, because obviously Harvey raised Kevin from the dirt. You know, he uh, he was the kingmaker in Hollywood and he chose Kevin to be one of uh, his anointed people. And after Jersey Girl, Ben uh, Affleck had been offered a role in a movie at Disney, although it doesn't specify here. They were in some talks or whatever. And uh Ben wanted Kevin to come work for Disney on this film. But this was when Disney and Miramax were starting to split up, when the divide was starting to happen. So Kevin tells Harvey Weinstein that he he's going to go over to Disney and make a movie, which apparently was allowed in his contract. He was allowed to direct movies for other companies. He just wasn't allowed to write for them, only Miramax. And Harvey basically told him that, like, you know, you can't you can't do that. And saying, you know, we're we're family over here. You know, we we gotta we gotta stick together, you and me. <laughs> so uh, Kevin got pretty deep into um, uh, what he doesn't name it here, but the the movie reportedly was uh, apparently Smith was going to direct uh, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. If anyone remembers that movie. That is that's what it, uh, that's what apparently is. That's the one that he's talking about. What the fuck? That would have been so much worse if he did it. Honestly, pretty decent little rom-com, you know. So, kind of a fun kind of a fun movie. So the reason he didn't end up making it was that um when he was about to like take the job or whatever, uh Harvey Weinstein called him up and was like, "All right, we'll make your Fletch movie." <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, Kevin Smith uh, came back and um, when he came back, it turned out that uh, there wasn't a lot of money for a Fletch movie kicking around anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So um, uh, also Ben Affleck passed apparently on the pitch for Fletch (laughs) that he received. And so Kevin ended up making... (laughs) Uh, Clerks too, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So he says, and this is honestly like, this is kind of honestly a little bit sad. Um, so Kevin says Ben was cool about it. He said he'd never understand my loyalty thing to Harvey, but he still respected it. See, Harvey knew he had me regardless. Being Miramax meant something to me a code i lived by we were jesus christ we were a gang the miramax code of silence it was (laughs) it was us versus all of them it sounds like kevin actually does have some firsthand knowledge of what it's like living under the thrall of a scary pimp so it's kind (laughs) of weird that he wasn't able to translate that to film Uh, and, and then, and then he says, and ironically, he'd never make another movie for Miramax because Harvey split from Disney and made the Weinstein company. 
Um, and then he says, uh, see, that's why it was easy for me to leave the, the movie biz now. Although that's a fucking lie. When the era of Miramax died, a big piece of my passion for film died with it. Now I'm mostly a podcaster. And Ben's a director so who may sad. win Best Picture this year. <laughs> Har- Harvey started the Weinstein Company and was still producing movies, but uh, didn't work with Kevin anymore because I think Zack and Miri uh, didn't make any money. So, yeah, like, that shows like- how much of a fucking family you were, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, after Zack and Miri tanked, uh, yeah, Kevin did not get contacted by Smith again. Although this is a great lead in, Trev, because this is the follow up to that story. Is that so? Everyone remembers in 2017 the Harvey Weinstein piece came out, uh, the whole Me Too thing, and, and a week before, a week before the piece came out, uh, Harvey decided to call Kevin. He hadn't called him in like a decade because Zach and Mary tanked, and he said, "Hey, Kevin." Would you like to do Dogma too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what could have been? What did Kevin? What did Kevin say? Did he uh, say he doesn't, yes? He doesn't say what he <laughs> said to it. He doesn't oh, say what he Dogma said to two. it. <laughs> he was definitely on board. Are you kidding? <laughs> he just said that the piece came out a week later, and he felt sick. Honest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel so as bad. As soon as that piece that. came out, I called him right back and I said, "Harvey, we are going to need to renegotiate the terms <laughs> of the two deal." Oh. <laughs> uh. So anyways, that's that's my little story about uh, Harvey Weinstein, the ghoul, and his control of uh, of Kevin Smith. A real life boogeyman, a <laughs> genuine horror villain, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah, I find their relationship kind of interesting because in a way, like, Smith is probably the one of the most indebted to Harvey of, like, all the people that have worked for him because Kevin, you know, came from one of the lowest spots of his filmmakers, but also probably has, like, you know, least going on of, like, the Miramax filmmakers. So his, uh, his tension between, like, his obvious loyalty to Harvey and, um who harvey actually is uh is kind of interesting to me yeah and i really get the sense that kevin probably bought into the whole harvey cosa nostra mythos more than any of the other directors that he has in his stable oh yeah he seems to think that like he said like they're a family they're a gang you know uh very tight so anyways uh smith quote unquote, left uh, the Fletch Project in uh, <laughs> 2005, I think. Uh, and now, uh, according to uh, news in 2020, the reboot is back at Mir- uh, back on at Miramax. Seriously? Without, without Kevin oh, okay. Smith. That's good. Uh, <laughs> M- Miramax uh, is just a division of Disney now, though, right? Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I, think I think so. so. Um, the other, the other project, the other failed project around the, that time that I want to bring up because we were originally going to do an episode on it, but then it ended up not being super interesting. But uh, the film uh, Scary Movie Three, uh, uh, we'd watched. I think uh, Leslie, you're a fan of the Scary Movie series, aren't you? No, no, I don't like them. Oh, sorry, I thought you liked those scary movies. No, no not no, Scary no, Movie. You, Scream. You, you, you heard him say he likes scary movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's what it, like, it was. Oh, Scream. You like it's not Scary, scary movie. movie movies. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Screen, screen three. Screen, yeah. Screen three. Sorry, I meant screen three. Oh, oh screen. Yeah, I still three. only oh. like the first two. You confused yes. me when you brought up scary movie. 
No, I, I confused them because I was gonna co- I was gonna connect the two because yeah, uh, Kevin had a weird cameo with uh, Jay and Silent Bob in Scream Three, which felt very out of place. Um, but also weirdly around that time, um, Kevin was apparently signed to write the movie Scary Movie Three, and uh, his uh, but apparently his pitch was also tossed for that. Oh. So that's that's uh, another in in. Uh, in the series um and the the last one i have here which leads into what, what we really want to get uh get a, a quick reaction to is kevin's idea for a christmas themed horror film which apparently he didn't choose to do for the holiday thing i don't know why um but kevin was going to do a christmas themed horror movie called anti-claws Mm. Well, it's, it's because he wanted to make a Krampus movie, That's but right. it turns out they were already making a Krampus movie because amazingly, he wasn't the first guy to come <laughs> up with the idea of a Krampus horror movie. Oh, you mean five years straight of it being number one on Dig every fucking Christmas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. came up with the idea to make a movie about it. Yeah, and pretty much probably right before that movie came out, Kevin started developing his own Krampus movie and was like, oh, shit, whoops, they already did that. Yeah, actually, I'm going to look up quickly what the release date of Krampus was. Yeah, yeah, Krampus came out in 2015, uh, and that's when Kevin canceled the film. Uh, But Kevin Kevin announced his Christmas-themed horror movie in, like, 2014. So, like, come on, man. Come on. Anyway, so... The cramp, the anti-clause movie he was going to do got canceled, of course, but Kevin being the resourceful man he is, he has reworked it into a brand new film, which we are all very excited for, called Kilroy Was Here. This is his new horror movie that he literally made with film school students, <laughs> and I'm not sure whether or not they were paid. I suspect that they weren't. <laughs> so, L- Leslie, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this. I have not yet. We were, uh, I was kind of hoping to throw on the trailer and get some quick reactions to it. So I have, I have actively avoided watching this because my mind is just so... Uh, it's so saturated with awful Kevin Smith content. I can't like just voluntarily put more into my mind. It has to be I have for the this. podcast. That's cool. Yeah, I watched it whenever I first heard about it, which was probably like from you. You're the one always keeping me updated. No, I think on I think Vera <laughs> sent it to us. Oh, Vera. Yeah, that's okay. how that I saw it. I wonder when this is going to come out. It's 2021 is the last thing I heard. Or 2020, but then I think they changed it to 2021. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm pretty sure the only way he can get any distribution on these movies is to do his own, like, roadshow touring thing. And Mm. that's impossible to do until uh, the lockdowns are over. Yeah, I I find it so... Especially after watching this holiday one, it's very funny to me that Kevin would try to make this like late career uh, radical change in his direction, but do it with like so little effort. It's a very weird choice to make. And not even commit to it because there are moments in, especially in Tusk and maybe to a much lesser extent in Red State, 
where it seems like he might actually have more flair for being a horror director than he does as a comedy director, which is not to say that I even think he could be a good horror director, but like there are horror moments in Tusk, especially that feel much more convincing than any of the terrible comedy that he does. All right. uh, I am ready to play now. Thank you for waiting for me. Smod cast picture is always a sign of quality. Yep. Like he, the la- even the logo is lazy. Like, what does he have to do other than make Blind a good looking the logo? That cannot see. Make deaf the ears that cannot oh, Ari hear. looks bad. Close Ari. the mouth that yeah. cannot tell. Ari Send looks the monster back like to hell. Like, this dude makes as many like, big budget Huggins movies. When he was your age. I think this is an anthology, also, for isn't point. it? Okay. Oh, there's Harley. Holy shit. What is happening? Nothing will stop Kilroy if he wants to get you. Okay. So this is based on the Kilroy, like, World War II urban legend meme thing. Is that right? Yeah, the graffiti sign, I think. Yeah, I know it's a graffiti sign, but I think there's some story behind it from World War II or something that this is, I don't know. The online donation. Uh, there's Put that Ralph the Garman it's fucker again. I hate that guy. For that heart transplant. Keep killing Boogeyman. That yeah, is yeah. So this is an anthology, bullshit. apparently. Oh, yeah. The fucking kill. Oh, that. I made my special sweet. You gonna come smoke? Oh, that it's an ass. anthology, but he did the whole, whole anthology. Oh, there's or... Chris Jericho. Yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Chris Jericho was in uh, the last James Hunt Bob movie, too. Oh, it's, there's going to be a pervert priest in this. Pervert priest. Mess smoking pervert priest. Yeah. Oh, that looked awful. That looked awful. Oh, oh there's that you one. You tell better. the knife was rubber. Uh, <laughs> my God. Better get the mop. Jesus Christ. D- the dirty priest is such a Kevin Smith thing. He's still what so he... obsessed with subverting his ca- his old Catholic beliefs. So, like, <laughs> even just like the. Purely on an aesthetic level, like I don't know, make it look. If you're gonna make it look cheap, make it look like 80s, 70s, yeah. 80s horror cheap. You know, uh-huh. don't make it look like modern streaming TV webcam web series cheap. It, you know, if you're gonna do that, if you're trying to be a horror director, because just like it, it looks, it looks bad, but not in a way that make, gives us a sense of nostalgia or anything like that, you know. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know what he's trying to do. What does he expect us to say about to look at this and say, like, wow, that yeah, looks really amazing. That looks really cool. I gotta see that now. Because <laughs> he has no mastery of style whatsoever. And in this instance, when he's having actual amateurs help him, rather than like he's done in some cases and gotten like some decent, you yeah. know, uh, crew members to yeah. sort of help him make it something that, uh, but that looks more professional. Mm-hmm. This is just like, he doesn't even know what it's, he's doing. And it's so clear cause there's no one to really help him make it look like he does. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, 
I'm, I'm going to be restrained here because I don't want to compliment Mallrats, which is a film that I very much hate. <laughs> but but I got to say, it's interesting to look back at a film like Mallrats, which was clearly a studio trying to make Kevin Smith into like a full fledged Hollywood director. Uh, and it's interesting to look back at that film because now looking back, you can tell what it looks like when a studio is like in charge of a production. Those films, they're bad, but they are at least like competently shot and like edited oh, yeah. and they, they look like movies. Whereas this, when Kevin Smith doesn't have a studio behind him, when he's just left to his own devices, it really genuinely seems like he just doesn't know what what a movie is like what a movie is supposed to look like <laughs> can i ask y'all so you watch so much of his stuff like what is he trying to do by making films because he because that's it, i think the big question because yeah. he doesn't seem yeah. to have a terribly lot to say he has no real seeming interest in filmmaking other than like as a fan like he like he, he doesn't really see like he's not trying out oh i want to try out this new camera this new technique this new shot this new angle like there's none of that i see in his you know the movies i've watched uh recently and and that, in that trailer like and so he it doesn't like, seem like he really has these important stories today maybe he thinks they're important stories but like the like the, the primary motivation he seems to have is just like he wants to film his friends cracking dick jokes back and forth <laughs> and like start a youtube channel <laughs> yeah. it would make a lot of money i have a, a theory on this that i've probably gone on about a lot in the past but <laughs> we, basically, we all have our uh, our yeah, individual theories yeah. of smith <laughs> i'll give i'll give my short version of what i think the answer to this is um Kevin Smith uh, became like a successful indie director kind of by accident. He was a young guy who thought he wanted to be a filmmaker like a lot of young guys do. And he got really lucky making this shitty movie that just happened to get picked up and be turned into this indie sensation. So for the second half of the 90s, Kevin Smith became thought of as like this indie director guy. He had pretty decent clout with critics. Uh, he clearly saw himself as a peer of people like Tarantino. Or, or, or he felt comfortable enough to like publicly slag off uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Like he, he was one of the guy. So he got a pretty big ego from, from that point in his life you know he got puffed up a little bit by some critics saying absurdly nice things about him and at the same time you see over the course of like the 2000s this very self-deprecating thing start to seep in whenever he talks to a crowd he jokes about how he doesn't know how to make a movie he, he he's talked about not knowing about camera techniques there's a there's a, a whole bit in one of his live things where he talks about clashing with bruce willis and how bruce willis knew more about the different types of lenses <laughs> oh jeez yeah that was so, so good he, yeah. so he so he fucking so he'll always say stuff now like joke about call himself a bad director and be like i really shouldn't be directing movies and he has found his new calling i guess as a podcaster because it seems like that's mainly what he wants to do now but because he came to prominence as a celebrated uh indie comedy director there's still this thing this sort of drive that makes him feel like 
this is what he's supposed to do or like he's not legitimate. It's like a sort of weird imposter syndrome thing. It's like very pronounced like contradictory kind of imposter syndrome yeah. where it's like he's not a filmmaker and he knows he's <laughs> not a filmmaker and he could just stop making films anytime he wants and he could just be uh, famous for being <laughs> himself and make plenty of money just being Kevin Smith, you know? But he feels like he needs to justify his existence by continuing to attempt to make movies, even though he has no ideas and nothing to say. Like you said, he just he thinks he's supposed to do it like his dad, his daddy, Harvey Weinstein, will disapprove of him if he doesn't keep doing his, his chores or his homework or whatever, like, you know, like it's like so like sick that. that someone like Ty Wesk can only do like tv shows now right like ty west you know a horror director you know with a real sense of style real sense of care look at you just look at house of the devil uh just to see how much this man like cares about like filmmaking all he can do is tv shows now and kevin smith is doing quote unquote movies kind of still i don't know <laughs> it's just it just seems grossly unfair like he should have been paying the people who directed mother and father in to for them to do their own movie instead of him doing a horror anthology. Did he yeah. not watch holidays and and look at that and see like holy shit all of these people whooped my ass why don't I do something with them? Mm. I feel like I, he I probably know. didn't watch it. Like if I had to guess I yeah. don't think he watched it. <laughs> he did watch it probably but he was baked out of his mind. Mm. This is into this was deep into the period in his life where he was like heavily smoking weed. And I suspect also uh, very heavily uh, overeating and having lots of problems with food because this predated his heart attack. And he was he was really like probably descending into a very slovenly high all the time shitty lifestyle and barely paying attention to anything that he's doing that's that's the impression i get from this period of of kevin smith's career sorry i there was something that i had and then i forgot it <laughs> oh sorry my my smith yeah i wanted to say that uh my my perspective on uh uh, on at least the late period, Kevin Smith. I think there are many ways to dissect the Kevin Smith uh, oeuvre, but I think the late <laughs> period Kevin Smith is characterized by um, a... Uh, <laughs> the only person I can think to compare against is, uh, I'll say, uh, a Doug, Doug Walker syndrome, uh, a nostalgia critic uh, syndrome. Uh, for, for people that don't know, um, Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic, popular online uh joke reviewer you know reviews old movies and yells at them and stuff like that uh he eventually got very successful and took it to his head and killed off the nostalgia critic character he said i'm gonna make my own show now and he tried to carry his fame over and it didn't work and he lost all of his money and then he came back to the nostalgia critic character and that's where he kind of is right now and i feel a similar thing with kevin smith where i feel like he really pushed himself into this like new frontier of uh what he thought he could do you know he got his hollywood dream like the thing everyone aspires to and he he went with it he did everything people were telling him to and then he got you know he got to a certain point and then realized that like 
he couldn't do it, that he wasn't capable, <laughs> like he wasn't able to pull it off. So now, yeah, he's stuck in this awkward position where he's kind of play acting um, the style of who he was when he was younger. And that's what his fans, um, similar to Nostalgia Critic, that's what they are latching onto. It's not so much him as an artist. It's like this kind of specific personality he has that they're attached to. It's a very parasocial thing. And at this point, I would say that Kevin Smith is much more a influencer and a marketer than any kind of filmmaker. I think the films are really just one more piece of his overall brand and they don't matter any more than say an episode of the podcast or um a funko pop like it's just a prod it's like it's content yeah it's not meant to be um an extravagant work of art and kevin constantly does this like kind of fake humble thing where he talks about what a bad filmmaker he is and in a way he probably believes it but um I, I more so. than that it's that he Apparently, doesn't he knows it i mean yeah he knows it deep down but yeah, that's the kind of insulting thing is that if he knows or not, the, the main thing is that he's not trying because this is just content. It's not even art to him at this point. That's so, yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my take on the old Smith man. My theory is just that um, Jay is Harley Quinn's father. That's my big theory. Yeah, that, oh, is, yeah. that is that's, that's a theory, theory. We, we all share. Uh, I don't that I will not ascribe to of- that theory. That gets into all sorts of other uh, uh, <laughs> psychoanalytical theories that we don't need to get into again. I am thankful that Jason Mewes got left out of the, the Halloween yeah. uh, short. He deserves a bit better than that. One last note, uh, since this is the uh, scary horror Halloween episode, is that um, uh, one of our friends sent like a link the other day to like a live Q and a thing that Kevin Smith was doing. Oh, and I, I clicked on it and I saw for just a minute and in the little bit that I saw, Kevin Smith confirmed that he was that, that moose jaws, the third and final installment oh of the true North horror trilogy following <laughs> Tusk and yoga hosers God. is still coming. He is still making moose jaws. So between Kilroy was here, which is d- completed, and Moose Jaws, which he's still determined to make, and uh, so Kevin Smith's horror career is still alive and well. Great. Jeez. Well, I uh, good luck to him. I know it's hard getting started in the industry as <laughs> an up and coming director. Uh. <laughs> Leslie, any any uh, right. advice as a horror fan? To no, actually, that's a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will just say, yeah, good good luck to uh to Kevin Smith on his career as uh, a new horror uh, director. I hope that he pays back uh, his share of whatever he got paid on holidays because he clearly ripped off whoever was financing that project. He should pay it to us uh, and a That's portion true. of all of his earnings. Uh, That's very true. In perpetuity. Um, uh, I just have one quick uh, patron shout out to make. We've gotten one new uh, Patreon subscriber oh, yeah. since the last episode. That is James. Thank you very much for subscribing. We are now dangerously close to reaching the goal where I have to listen <laughs> to an entire episode of Kevin Smith's podcast. Um, since this is coming out at the end of October, I just want to say thanks to everybody who signed up during this first month. And thank you for all the positive feedback that we've gotten for our, our two, uh, Batman begins episodes. And 
the fir- our first episode on The Dark Knight should be out shortly, planning to release that on November 1st. And of course, I think I owe an extra thank you to our guest, Leslie Lee III, because if it weren't for his podcast Struggle Session, the three of us never would have met yeah. or formed a podcast in the oh, first cool. place. Very true. Uh, <laughs> and it must be said that probably half of our Patreon subscribers so far have come directly from the Struggle <laughs> Session Discord, where the three of us all met. So, uh, yeah, you and Je- yeah, I mean, really, when you think about it, uh, our podcast was kind of incubated by your <laughs> podcast. So technically, you and Jack own 40 percent of the we need to talk about. Yeah. The incubation LLC. fee. We can we we'll, can yeah, we'll we can sell discuss- up at the end of the quarter. Yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll just we'll discuss the, the earnings uh, off off mic, of course. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the show. And of course, everyone should listen to Struggle Session and subscribe at patreon.com slash struggle session. Is that the right URL? Yes, yeah. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Sorry again. To, our, to our listeners at home, have a very spooky Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Happy Halloween. Don't let any Kilroys catch you. <laughs>